You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. And this episode, will pick up a little bit where last week's episode, talking about the most important players, ended. We started to talk about players who could surprise and, and make the list. This episode kind of looks at those players. We're looking at breakout players and underrated players. So we're not talking about the stars that everyone knows the household names the guys making the all-american preseason lists or preseason first team all big 10 this this episode's kind of looking at at a little bit of who's next who's maybe being slept on and who could be x factor or play unheralded roles for the wolverines this fall because i i gotta say you every good michigan team that there's been has had players who surprised or stepped up more than they were supposed to. Um, that's not just true for football, but I think, you know, especially the last couple of years, think about the players who didn't make, you know, the mo- most important player list or weren't preseason all Big Ten, and and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here they come. And, you know, you start to, you, you catch glimpses here and there, like David Ajabo, everyone knew that at some point, you know, it was gonna, he was going to be a factor, and, and he went from 28 snaps to first-team all Big Ten defensive end in one season. So, He's probably the, always the extreme example I go to, but think about last year. Michael Barrett was not a player who was making the top 25 most important players list. Makari Page, um, you know, you could probably talk about uh, maybe you know Carson Barnhart or Colston Loveland was someone who did not start the season in the role that he ended the season in, and and so some players are underclassmen, some players are veterans who finally figure it out. But Steve, let's let's start by looking at the offense because I do think it is interesting. We I talk about how every good Michigan team needs players to step up. This offense returns so many prominent players and adds so many veteran offensive linemen in the transfer portal that there isn't a ton of room for you know a breakout player or, or I should say a surprise player. You know Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, they won't be surprise players. JJ McCarthy. Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, they won't be surprises. On the offensive line, you return Zach Zinter, Trevor Keegan, Carson Barnhart, Trent A. Jones. And then they add, you know, pretty well-known veterans, Ladarius Henderson, Drake Nugent, uh, Miles Hinton. So there isn't a ton of room, but I do think that there is room for a breakout player in the receiving game, whether it's at wide receiver or at tight end. I'm going to let you go first, but I think you would, you you and I have some similar names in mind. Who kind of jumps out as a legitimate breakout candidate, either at wide receiver or at tight end right now? Yeah, those are the two spots, right, where we're looking for somebody to kind of step up. Both, almost more at tight end, just because Michigan likes to play five, four or five guys a game. I'm still, I'm really intrigued with, what Matthew Hibner could add to Michigan's passing game uh, from the tight end position. I think we've said it probably coming out of the spring game. Uh, to me, it can sometimes only take one or two plays to see what a guy's capable of. And uh, I mean, I know he like tripped over the 15 yard line or whatever, but that's, that's some speed uh, at, at a position where, you know, there are guys who can run, but he looked like he was running at a totally different pace than guys. I know he's somebody Michigan has brought along slowly, they, in which with you look at even a guy like Marlon Klein, uh, Michigan has been able to bring guys along slowly at tight end. Guys have not necessarily had to be rushed into a position. Now, Colson Loveland emerged last year just because he's just that talented. I mean, we knew Michigan thought that Loveland had a chance to make it right away, and he did. 
but I think like I'm fascinated with what Michigan could do with Hibner as in sort of a, an H back type deal uh, in the passing game. I mean, you think about uh, like a, a Hibner Donovan Edwards situation, uh, you know, where, where there's just a multitude of ways Michigan would be able to attack in the passing game. I know I'd say call it an informed opinion. I do think Michigan thinks that, that Matthew Hibner can, can become a factor this year. So, um, and we know that Michigan will use tight ends and has used tight ends consistently under Jim Harbaugh. So he's kind of the first name that comes to mind. I assume that a guy like Darius Clemens might be who you're thinking. I mean, he'd be the second name for me just because of the, the, the physical tools that he possesses at wide receiver. And yeah, I agree with you totally. Like receiver's another spot where we might be talking about a guy. Uh, I'm not even, honestly, I'm not, to- I'm not writing off uh, freshman Frederick Moore as a potential guy who, who could make some plays this year in the passing game too. So, uh, but yeah, biggest one for me, I think just off, not off the top of my head, but even after thinking is Matthew Hibner, because yeah, like you said, running back, uh, you know, there'll be a third guy that might get the ball, but it's not going to be a major, major role in the offensive line. Yeah. I mean, good luck for some of the younger players uh, to really crack that rotation with, with who Michigan has up top. I think it's going to be hard for a freshman offensive line to lineman to crash the party or, or even a redshirt freshman offensive line. I mean, they'll, they'll play right. And we'll see, you know, Amir Herring is probably like a, a perfect example. Like we'll see him. I'm sure at the tail end of some of these more lopsided games, but I, I'd be very surprised at this stage. I may ask me in a month, halfway through fall camp, maybe I'll have a different answer. But I would be surprised if it was there. I'm with you on Hibner because after the spring game, Sharon Moore had that quote about how the light has really turned on for Hibner, and and you know this is really like his this spring was a, a spring where he showed a lot of growth, a lot of progress, and. I'll make the comparison. I mean, Luke Schoonmaker, his first three seasons on campus, you look at his stats, he had two catches. But then he kind of started to impress coaches in, in year four. And and some of it's developing weight. Some of it's learning the the ins and outs of the blocking at the tight end position. I mean, it is that has got to be the funkiest position to scout high school talent at. You know, because obviously there's some guys who play at the powerhouse programs and they shine at all the camps. So those guys, everyone knows what they can do, but, but you look at where Michigan has found its tight ends over the years. It is like small town states that aren't heavily scouted offenses that, I mean, Schoonmaker was playing quarterback, right? <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, and I think uh, some of the other tight ends they've had, like were in offenses that just genuinely didn't throw the ball more than three or four times in a game. So it's, it's very interesting all the different types of tight ends that, that come into college camp, not just Michigan, but, but schools overall and, and, you know, the different things that they have to learn. But yeah, Hibner, six foot five, 245. He was, I know, I know 24 sevens uh, evaluation team really liked him, you know, as, as a four-star recruit. I think, I think you dubbed him Mr. 1000 because he climbed a thousand spots in the recruiting rankings as a, in his senior year. Was he like the only player we've interviewed on this podcast? He might be. He might he? be. Didn't we get him on? The, didn't we get him on here to interview him? And I think that's what we—that's what we called him. But you're totally, yeah. you're, you're totally right this, about the scouting thing, though. I mean, just for an example, it's the scouting at tight end has evolved to a certain extent. I mean, I know Penn State has a tight end commitment right now who has barely played any tight end, and I think the composite and twenty four seven both have him as a as a top one hundred type prospect. So, and, and I, I mean, I want to say that one of the, I think the number two or three ranked tight end in the country is committed to Nebraska. And he, he plays in, I mean, you talk about a small town. Uh, I know when Michigan had to go visit him and I'm sure this went the same for other schools had to fly into like one of those like grassland, like airports mm. uh, to see him just because there was, there was there wasn't a municipal airport or anywhere in the remote vicinity of where he was at. So it is by far is by far the most unique position to evaluate and recruit, particularly at the second level, because you know there's always top guys that are going to stand out, right? But year in and year out, 
you see guys drafted or emerge in college football every year at the tight end spot who a either weren't tight ends to start or B were not highly recruited or highly ranked uh, coming out of high school. There's a handful of schools, you know, like I say, Michigan, Penn state, Notre Dame, Stanford, sort of under Harbaugh and a little bit under Shaw uh, who have always kind of recruited and developed the tight end position. Well, but, but year in and year out, you see guys, you know, kind of come out of nowhere. And, and yeah, when Michigan first found Matthew Hibner, that, that was, I think he'd had, he had a couple of regional offer. I think Virginia tech had offered, or he may have even been committed there if I remember right. Um, but either way, yeah, moved up once our guys got their hands on his film. Yeah. He moved up a ton. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a good, that was an interesting little nugget thrown there. Cause it's true. It's, I think it's, I think it's actually one of the more fascinating positions to kind of cover from a recruiting standpoint just because there are there are so many you know maybe an undersized offensive tackle or an oversized wide receiver like I think of Mark Andrews you know who's now an all pro for the Baltimore Ravens uh committed and signed with Oklahoma because he wanted to play a receiver any school that was recruiting at at tight end was eliminated and he turned into a uh, I think a two-time All-American tight end and a first-round yeah. draft pick, right? And is now like maybe one of the probably one of the three or four best tight ends in the league. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, if you go through the tight ends Jim Harbaugh has recruited at Michigan, I mean, at this point, you just kind of trust him. You know, whether it's a quarterback from New Mexico, a you know Luke Schoonmaker. I remember coworkers at the time getting a call and being told like, "Hey." you guys should probably make a recruiting profile for this player because he's going to commit to Michigan tomorrow. And it's like, you know, but, but the recruiting sites didn't even have pages on, on Schoonmaker yet. And, you know, Sean McCune was from a lowly recruited area. Um, Nick Eubanks was a wide receiver. Right. And so, yeah, you pretty much, you run through the whole list. It's, and it's it's almost hilarious. And then, of course, Colson Loveland is is kind of the the next guy, and he's from a town of thirty seven hundred people in Idaho, in Gooding, Idaho. So it's 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 definitely interesting. And so, yeah, I think Hibner was someone. He was kind of of the schoonmaker mold, where I think it was more of a, a, a maybe a year three, uh, maybe even year four. I mean, schoonmaker was a year four was when he really started to to truly make a difference and. And Marlon Klein, you mentioned him. I will throw him in that conversation of, of breakout potential. I am kind of of the belief that he might still be a year away, but I think he's got a very high ceiling, six foot six. I want to say he ran a 11 second, 100 meter dash. And he, track wasn't even something that he like did a ton of growing up, but he just has like that natural speed. So there, and, and a German, a German native, who played for a tiny school, I believe, on the, like the North Carolina Georgia border or something in the middle of nowhere? I know. I remember when New, I know when uh, Josh Newkirk went out there to uh, to scout him. I th- I, I want if I remember right, he he either got lost or uh, something like trying to find the school that he uh, was playing at. So again, another great example of a guy who uh, you know. <laughs> So they all have very interesting backstories. It seems like at this point you almost want them to be <laughs> yeah you don't want random town. yeah yeah you don't want yeah you don't want like five star from modern day or anything like that no you you want yeah you want uh, German transplant in rural uh, rural northeast Georgia you know so yeah that's that's kind of funny so personally I'm with you I'm I'm with Hibner being a little bit more this year uh, but Klein you know Sharon Moore kind of said he might have the highest athletic ceiling of anyone in the tight end room and that's including Colston Loveland so you know those are those are two players I think with breakout potential but Steve I I, before we move on from tight end which I admittedly this is a long time to spend on tight end but I do want to talk a little bit about AJ Barner because I think he of all the transfers is probably the one being the most underrated I was I was very surprised he did not do super well in the fan ballot for the most important players. And, you know, obviously some of that's the excitement for Colson Loveland. I think he finished top 10 in the fan ballot. But but A.J. Barner transferred from Indiana, uh, 200 yards, was a captain last year, 200 yards receiving for, a, for an offense that wasn't very good. I'm just curious, your thoughts? I mean, we saw him make a couple big plays in that spring game. 
flight, but the the chatter you've gathered, I mean, this is a guy who probably will play starter level snaps. And then one thing I will note is he has a little bit more blocking experience than Colson Loveland has. And I think that might allow him to carve out, I think, a bigger role than he's getting credit for right now. I mean, he was kind of, he didn't actually, I don't think he technically made my top 25 most important players list, but I think he was in my next five. And he was someone that that I think might be, I mean, maybe even I'm even sleeping on him a little bit. I mean, it's, it, I feel like he checks a lot of the boxes at tight end for Michigan. Well, I think we talked about him a little bit last episode. I mean, yeah, he was a team captain for another Big Ten program. And I know Indiana, whatever, but either way, I mean, a guy that played extensively there. And if there's one thing, now we talk about Michigan brings back a lot of guys offensively, but let's be honest. I mean, they lost a lot at tight end, though. Uh, particularly in the experience department. Five, I count five. Well, for counting Carter Selzer as scholarship, I'm counting five tight ends on scholarship that are gone from last season's roster. Yeah. So there's talent. And and honestly, just from a sheer talent standpoint, the, they might have a little bit more. But from an experience standpoint, which I think tight end is one of those spots where experience uh, at the highest levels can can be as valuable as as the talent can be. You know, I mean – I think we talk about developing the tight end position. I mean, I think a lot of guys, uh, and I actually think Luke Schoonmaker may end up falling into this category. Uh, his best days of football still may be ahead of him in the pros. You know, I, I think for, for Barner, yeah, absolutely. Because he's a much, if we're being honest, I mean, he's a more well-rounded player at the position than, than Loveland is. Loveland is an elite, or at like, well, I guess we'll say he has the, I think he has the overwhelmingly likely potential to be elite in the passing game. And he's obviously going to get, he's getting there too as an all around guy. But yeah, Barner's been doing this for three plus years in the big, he's already played in this conference uh, and he's succeeded. So yeah, I think, I think looking at him offensively as the most underrated player, he might, it might actually be kind of an easy pick really when you actually think about it. Cause as you said, He's got to be the clear number two at the position. And and really, when running the football, you know, he may be, it might be 1A and 1B. You know, and so he's a guy that could really find some success. He'll be on the field to block, but could could really be the, the tight end to find the most success in the play-action game as well, you know. So I think it's a great pick uh, for the guy who's, who's really probably being the most slept on um, – and yeah, Michigan did had had a lot of let's say let's say not flashier, but you know the offensive line additions got a lot of pub because Michigan has won two more Joe Moore awards. Now people think they could win a third one in a row. Uh, they needed a linebacker. They got one of the two or three best in the portal in Ernest Hausman, and then even the Josh Wallace addition here because of the question marks at second corner, you know, got a little bit more. And yeah, the AJ Barner commitment kind of snuck in there a little bit. Um, a little under the radar. And I want to say he might've committed like the same day or, or right around the time that one of the other guys had committed as well, which also can kind of sometimes play a role in, in just perception and, and just reaction to something. But, but yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll probably play more snaps than at least one of the transfer offensive linemen that they picked up. Right. I mean, yeah, it, he'll, he'll probably be top 11, top 12 in snaps played. Yes. Just based on how Michigan uses its tight ends. I mean, they do yeah. a, a lot of two tight end sets. And and then the factor of his blocking ability. I mean, I, I can't say I've watched every Indiana game or, or no, every in and out of his blocking ability, but like, but he's, he's got a filled out frame. He's played three years in the big 10. Yeah. I, I would anticipate that he would. Yeah. I think he'll, it's kind of like Makari page. Like, okay, if you don't want to include him in your top 10 most important defensive players, that's fine, but he's going to play enough that he is that important. I mean, it's, Garner's going to be a factor in their tight end play this year. And you don't, I, I, I'm guessing here, but you don't get voted captain if you're not doing the little things too. As a right? junior so, too. Yes. So a guy who you, you have to assume is is willing to, you know, be an asset both running the football and in the receiving game. Yeah, I agree. All right, real quick on receivers before we flip over to defense. I do. I mean, we mentioned tight end. There's definitely room for a third, fourth, maybe even fifth receiver to step up because not only did they lose Ronnie Bell, who 
had the most targets, receptions, receiving yards, really was the the primary consistent game-to-game number one receiver for Michigan. But they also lose Andrew Anthony, A.J. Henning. And those aren't necessarily departures that change maybe the bottom line or the, the Vegas win total for Michigan. But they do impact the depth and and the target distribution among Michi- in Michigan's passing game. And so I do think there's a lot of targets. And, and Cornelius Johnson, I anticipate, will get more targets. I assume Roman Wilson will get more than he got a season ago. But there's, I think there's absolutely room for anyone who can or will step up. You know, I, I, To me, I think the, the first guy that, based on the chatter I was hearing about him before the bowl game, so during the bowl practices, because that's always a chance for coaches to kind of hit the reset button a little bit. You know, they're not thinking about the next week's game plan. They're just kind of like, okay, who's who's been getting better throughout the fall? And and I know Tyler Morris was a guy whose name came up a lot in that situation. And we actually got to see at least snippets of practice. And I really liked the way he looked in, in, in those bowl practices. And, and also, I guess, in the bowl game, too. He actually played a decent amount of snaps. Very Ronnie Bell-like in terms of his skill set. Um, good leaping ability, you know, good ability to just has, has that instinct instinct, I guess, to make the play that needs to be made, not necessarily run the exact route that was in the playbook. And, you know, if the ball isn't there, Oh, try again next time. Like he's got that, that gamer instinct that I feel like Ronnie Bell had. I mean, he was, he was an elite high jumper. I actually, one time, Steve, I, I took his high jump mark from his sophomore year and he would have been top 12 at the big 10 championships in the high jump if you translated it so i mean he's he's got really exceptional athleticism i know he had an injury his senior year so that that kind of slow rolled his freshman year a little bit but you know he's someone that that really jumps out to me as someone literally i guess to an extent but you know, he he jumps out to me as someone who can be slot he can play a little bit outside you know he's not going to be specialized necessarily and and he's just gonna he seems at least from what i've been able to tell he seems to have that knack for finding where the quarterback needs to throw the ball not necessarily just following your route i I, to me that's that's ronnie bell to a t right no matter who the quarterback was no matter who the offensive coordinator was he always led the team in receiving yards because he just he found ways to get open to break his route if he needed to 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 improvise if the play was breaking down you know just that that instinctive ability and it, if Tyler Morris has that Michigan could have its its next Ronnie Bell right and so i think he's he's someone i don't know if he's being underrated or slept on but he does have that potential to be next Darius Clemens boy he he's he tests or checks every NFL combine skill set athleticism box you could ask for right and and so he almost reminds me of like a Nico Collins where boy he can just you know once once it all comes into play once he gets all the nuances of of being a college receiver in addition to his size speed athleticism combination um he can be really dynamic and really effective there's some other guys, right? You mentioned Frederick Moore. Peyton O'Leary had a really nice spring game. Someone's going to be the number three and number four receiver. Steve, any any thoughts on who it could be or or what it's going to take or what that might look like for Michigan this fall? I forgot about O'Leary. That's definitely a name to probably at least put in the back pocket. The irony sure. of being slept on in an – in a podcast about the players <laughs> being slept on. <laughs> literally, literally slept on within a slept on episode. Yeah, he's a name definitely to at least, like I said, put in the back pocket. Wilson's a guy that can stretch the defense. Cornelius Johnson's a guy, I think, is Michigan, unless Clemens can step up. And then we know Loveland, you know, guys that can make plays near the end zone. Uh, so I think, I think the possibility is there for, like, yeah, like, Again, and Ronnie Bell's a guy that made some huge plays for Michigan, but a lot of his value was also I don't I hate labeling or I hate the term possession receiver because it, it sounds very mundane, uh, like like there's not a lot of value there. But I do think a guy that can get open underneath uh, with reliable hands and and 
A-plus route running is a guy that could really make some plays for Michigan this year, right? So that's why I, I do like the, the Tyler Morris thing. And you're right. He quietly played quite a bit for Michigan once he was fully healthy and ready, I guess. Uh, you know, he didn't – I don't think he took as long to become game ready as maybe even Michigan thought. And that's not just from a physical standpoint. That's like the whole the whole package. So um, – and the other small – maybe it's not small – Definitely, obviously, the guy on the team who probably has the best rapport with JJ McCarthy, right? So the, there's a lot of familiarity there because too. Played in high school for those. Yeah, days. yeah. Sorry. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I just assume everybody knows everything, but yeah, I mean, so there's some some real familiarity with each other's games as well. So you know, you can never. I don't think that you can you know overlook that necessarily. Is it a difference maker or the reason not necessarily but it, it's definitely a uh can't hurt can only help type deal as far as uh the type of impact he might be able to make so yeah i know that we we've weirdly and i don't know if we're the only maybe we're i don't know if we're the only ones but the third running back has gotten more conversation than like the third and fourth wide receiver when really it, it should definitely the third and fourth wide receiver are a lot more important for Michigan this season. And I think the third running back would be when you know who Michigan has at at one and two at running back. So, you know, yeah, there are a lot of different guys who it appears that they appear to have some different skill sets too. Um, But, you know, yeah, that, I think that'll quietly be one of the more important and more watched I don't know when you do some position battle stuff next month or whenever you're going to do those, you know, I think that will be one that will ne- maybe need a little bit more attention than it's gotten so far. Yeah. And I think part of it was Morris missed spring game. Right. And so that kind of, and I believe Mike Hart was the only coach who actually met with reporters after the spring game. So it's kind of like, Oh, Benjamin Hall made this great play. And Mike Hart had this, you know, great quote, about how he reminds him of Hassan Haskins. So every obviously everyone's going to write that story. Whereas receiver, I don't know if the takeaway from the spring game was, oh, look at this embarrassment of riches at wide receiver. I still think that's a that's a position where Michigan is is, I don't think they're concerned, but they do need people to step up in fall camp, um, as as expected every year. But but you know, they they would love to have some guys who really impressed or really raised some eyebrows in fall camp. Cause that's a sign that the, the passing game can be as effective as, as they feel like it can be. All right. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. We'll talk about defense and then we'll also talk about players. You know, we're talking, if we're talking about breakout candidates who can get themselves in position with a really strong summer workout cycle. And then ultimately we both will make our picks for the most underrated player on Michigan's team right now. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, and we're back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, on defense, obviously there's a lot of returning talent. I, I, I have it down. I have them down for eight returning starters and 15, I think, 16 maybe, returning two deep players. So there's lots of familiar names. But because there's more rotation on defense, thinking about how the defensive line likes to rotate, the edge players like to rotate, 
you know, cornerbacks and safeties and linebackers, some of that's, you know, different players are going to play because of different matchups. So I do think that there's a little bit more room for breakout players. And the, the easy one is obviously Mason Graham. But I don't even know if he can count as a breakout player because he was a starter last season. And he came in eighth in our count, countdown of Michigan's most important players. And we talked a lot about Kenneth Grant, too. I think, you know, from Harbaugh's Big Ten Media Day quote last year to, you know, all the all the different measurables that he has. He's someone that's been talked about a ton. You know, Derek Moore, I think he's probably played too much to be considered a breakout player, too. So who beyond maybe those three, those three rising sophomores, really jumps out to you as, let's let's call it surprise breakout potential, just to make sure... You know, because like I remember last year, a lot of people called Junior Colson a breakout player. That didn't count. He had 60 tackles as a true freshman. Let's go with a player who who might surprise, who maybe isn't being counted on to contribute as a as a true you know starter right now, uh, but definitely has the ability and and might already be trending in the direction of being a true impact player this fall. Tough one. I'm, I, I know this. I'd say this. I have. I always write down like the, like a list of like five or six guys that I'm most looking to get info on when fall camp hits. And uh, the two names at the top of the list for me were Keyshawn Bennett and uh, Micah Pollard. Pollard is somebody I, I have never been told otherwise, except all, that Michigan loves Micah Pollard's potential. How much does he weigh right now? I mean, there's the, a lot of interesting. Oh, yeah, he's listed. He's a linebacker. For those who don't know, he's listed at two o. I think. Yeah. Yep. I but gotta think. Gotta light. think. They, yeah. I gotta think that his that there's been a mission to put some some weight on his frame this off season. Uh, but a guy that, like I said, I mean, I'll get to just to give you an example of how much I feel like Michigan still or really likes Pollard is uh, when they picked up the. The uh, well, he's now a four star, but uh, Jaden Smith, the the linebacker commitment out of Charlotte. I know when Michigan first watched him, Micah Pollard is the guy that they thought of that they kind of compared him to when evaluating him and then eventually pursuing him. So I can't imagine they would evaluate, pursue, and take a commitment from a kid that compared to a guy in their roster that they weren't very high on. Uh, just kind of putting the pieces together here, but, um, but either way, so he's one. And then, um, but oh, Keyshawn Bennett at edge. The logic on that one is twofold. One was continuously told last year that they thought he was a year away. It's next year. And B, I thought he actually had a pretty good showing for whatever it's worth in the spring game. Like he looked like a guy who had some, some traits and had some, something, some flash in some certain, certain spots and they're relatively deep at edge, but I do think there is room for the right guy. And again, maybe, maybe I'd put Bennett in the same category as a guy like Amarion Walker, where like we reported on Walker that, that, you know, he's going to get a lot of run probably Later in games, early in the season, you know, Michigan, an easy non-conference schedule. We anticipate they'll have some comfortable leads in the second half. But a guy that they're really going to count, that they think they, they might be able to count on in October and November. You know, I'm wondering if maybe maybe I'd kind of put, at least maybe best case scenario, I'd put Bennett in that same category. But, um, you know, just trying to dig a little bit deeper there. Because, yeah, I mean, I think guys like, like I think a Rayshon Benny, uh, a Zeke Berry, probably even a Jaden McBurrows. I mean, those are the types of guys I think we expected to see legit playing time early on. Uh, but, but yeah, I would say a guy, yeah, like a Micah Pollard, Keyshawn Bennett, guys that I think that maybe, you know, we'll be talking more about uh, mid-season, maybe, maybe moving on after that. Okay, yeah. And, and by the way, for those that are like, oh, we've heard that you're, you're away. Steve did say David Ajabo is a year away, and that's what he had been hearing for the 2020 season. And sure enough, a year later, he was he had arrived. So definitely something to to keep an eye on. So you kind of downplayed the you know, whether Benny and 
and Jaden McBurrows could count as surprises. But those are kind of the two guys who I, I don't think are expected starters who I think could play a bigger role than they're getting credit for right now. And um, I do, I will say the Jaden McBurrows, you know, I was kind of, I remember saying it in, in some of my depth chart position preview stuff in the winter and early spring. And, and people were like, whoa, okay. Over Marion Walker. Sure. Okay. Interesting. But now it seems like more people are on board with that, but you know, McBurrows, he was someone that we were hearing a lot about behind the scenes as a true freshman. And and the comparison now, I'm not saying he runs a four to eight, but the comparison that was made to me was DJ Turner. And then similar to DJ Turner, who also had a very promising behind the scenes freshman year, you know, his sophomore year was kind of a redshirt freshman year was kind of derailed by injuries, but DJ Turner was able to make an impact by year three. And I, I think Jaden McBurrows, you know, the Josh Wallace component of thing, you know, I don't know if that, impacts his role I don't know what that what that looks like we probably won't know until they all practice at the same time against each other in front of the coaches in you know two or three weeks but he's someone that I think maybe we always joke like can a player get that's underrated be talked about being underrated so much that they become rated so he might be in that category and Rayshon Benny might be entering that category too I mean he was a four-star recruit he clearly is a is a factor on their defensive front as a pass rusher. You know, everyone talks about Chris Jenkins being able to stop the run. Kenneth Grant looks like he was created to stop the run, right? And Jim Harbaugh has basically said as much. And Mason Graham's and, and Chris Jenkins, they're both fairly well-rounded, but I think Rayshon Benny, when it's third and eight, I think he's someone that they're they're gonna be calling his name and saying, you know, get out there. I mean, just his ability uh just to to get out of his position that, that those first couple steps, I think his hand sounds according to Mike Elson, it sounds like his hand usage has, has improved. And I don't think anyone's ever questioned, you know, his size speed ability. So, you know, he's someone that, that jumps out to me as someone that can be maybe, maybe play a bigger role than he's getting credit for right now. Zeke Barry, I, I will say, I haven't heard a ton about him, but, but Steve, you've mentioned him a couple times now. I mean, is this, is he number three in the safety room? Is he, I mean, I, I assume he could play nickel as well. What, what kind of role do you see for him this season as it stands right now? Obviously some of it's going to depend on how he looks in practices, how, you know, he, once they get the pads on and everything, but, but what kind of role do you see for, for a player like him this year, especially knowing that there's some turnover in that secondary from, from last season? I mean, I think that's a good question. I just, I feel like with him, I think his athletic ability is just too, and he's, of course, he's a very sound, I mean, he really, I mean, he ended the cycle just outside of five-star status. Uh, and I know our, our West Coast guy, Brandon Huffman, absolutely loved him coming out of high school. I, I just, I kind of feel like, and you could see it, he's another guy. During the spring game, I don't know if you agree. I mean, he looked like he moves at a different speed than a lot of guys out there. Uh, and you're talking about a defense that should be one of the best in the country this year. I mean, he, again, just that pure athleticism, uh, quickness, speed, just flashed to me right away. I, I, I guess just, A, knowing how high Michigan was on him, and, B, just he is Swiss Army enough to me where I feel like they might be able to find a couple different roles for him in the defensive backfield. Maybe he could spell Mike Sainer still at the nickel spot. Um, he could, uh, I, I don't know if they'd throw him out at corner or not, but he, he may, I mean, he, he might be sort of that, maybe call him like the sixth man you know, of the, of the secondary. I know he wouldn't literally be the sixth, but just that idea that he'll, he'll be the first guy off the bench and maybe a guy that they think is capable of spelling a few different players. Uh, I just think he has the potential he has that ability uh, and has the potential to to do it this season. So uh, to me, I just – and I'm going – again, I'm going partially off of just the recruiting projection and just watching him in high school and, and, and then watching him again in the spring game. But just these are the kind of guys that Michigan has recruited that just they feel like they're too good to keep off the field uh, for, two, for two full seasons, I guess. Uh, I just think that highly of him. I always have. So, you know, 
really, I, I that's another going to be another great question uh, heading into fall camp or during fall camp is is where are they utilizing him? Because again, I do I think there's a few possibilities. You know, he's a guy. Again, I don't think he would be, but he's another guy. I I had sort of in the back of my mind as as a special as a return a return guy. Uh, I don't know, maybe not the punt, okay, not the not the punt returner per se, but as one of maybe one of the guys back there for kicks. Uh, again, because I remember when Michigan was recruiting him. I mean, they really have. I want to say they talked to him about you know a guy that they thought could play both ways eventually. And and again, that a lot of times that doesn't come to fruition. But again, he has you know some of his offensive film was as impressive as his defensive film in high school. So uh, you know, again, just just a guy that uh, you know. We know how much Michigan puts an emphasis on special teams. They like to put their best athletes back there. I can't fathom that he's not up there uh, on the list, you know, and that that's something we should be able to find out during fall camp, if not a little bit before. I'm intrigued by him because I, I do think the snaps are there with, with RJ Moten gone, with Jamon Green gone, with DJ Turner gone. It's not all going to Barry, of course, but and, and obviously there's tons of other players who will be vying for that, those first – or off the bench or key rotation roles, but you're right. He was someone Michigan was extremely excited about. Sometimes long list of guys who've been drafted by Michigan where it was, especially in the secondary where it was year two, where they made a difference. I think Will Johnson and Rod Moore are kind of spoiling fans where, Oh, you know, all these true freshmen look great. It's often a, a red shirt freshman or sophomore type of, year where they where they're able to really where they've acclimated to the to the speed of the college game to the frequency of passing um all the different nuances of of the of going up against college wide receivers so there's there's a little bit of a historically speaking there's a little bit of a learning curve there all right one quick question before we each pick our our underrated i did a story back in june and and it was a very interesting way to look at summer workouts because summer workouts it's not about implementing plays it's not about eh, technique you know there's there's always a little bit of that stuff never goes away film review technique all that stuff but it's a little bit more about hey add muscle or hey shed weight or hey get faster or hey get leaner get stronger you know there's it's a little bit more of ben herbert's season and he's he's done a to his credit a, a really marvelous job especially i think the last three well, two the net last two years, obviously, but but it does seem like since he arrived at Michigan, you know, there's a little bit of an adjustment period, but now he's really started to hit a groove in getting the most out of players in the summer. So I made a list of the players who had the most to gain in summer workouts, meaning, you know, some players are ready to go, right? They have proven established roles. Some players, for them to climb up the depth chart, it's probably gonna happen in practice just by outplaying the other players at their position. But there were, there were, there are some players, whether they have muscle to build speed to develop, whether they can get leaner, whether they can get stronger, maybe get more of a, of a lower body base. You know, there, there's certain things that you can do in the summer uh, that can make a difference and suddenly you show up to fall camp and it's like, Whoa, he definitely put in the work. I mean, in, on the basketball side of things, I mean, Kobe, Kobe Bufkin added 20 pounds to his frame. He still looked really skinny, but that really did make a difference, especially in his ability to get to the rim. And in football, I mean, I could list countless examples, whether it's offensive linemen, whether it's, you know, guys in the trenches, players out wide. I think Aiden Hutchinson, even though he was a very good player as a sophomore, I think he really made that transformation. He would say a lot of it came in the summer. So Steve, I, I made the list, my top three, were Amarian Walker, which I think if you look at him, you can see that there's there's definitely strength and, and weight to be added there. Micah Pollard, which we just who we just talked about, 208 pound linebacker, definitely muscle to be added there. I actually I believe I had Kalel Mullings as number three, thinking if he can get a, a step or two faster and maybe get down from linebacker weight to running back weight, you know, what kind of running back can he be? I think miles Hinton also jumped out to me who jumps out to you. And, and maybe there's some overlap there, but, but who jumps out to you as players who obviously ever, you're curious about a bunch of different players once fall camp starts, but who, 
when you think about like the weigh-ins or how they look before the pads come on, who really jumps out to you as someone who can really change the trajectory of their 2023 season with a really effective summer strength and conditioning cycle? So Micah Pollard is def- definitely the first one. And then I, I think the two that you highlighted, Micah Pollard and Moran Walker, I think are probably the two easiest ones. Real quick, though, an aside, is, is Kalel Mullings underrated now? With uh, like, Benjamin just Hall in, type? J- just in general. Like, he played a huge role for them at the end of the season last year yeah. as a short yardage. We know how much Michigan loves to have a short yardage back. Now, granted, they were, they were, I guess you could say, blessed with a guy who could be a short yardage guy and a bell cow with Hassan Haskins a couple years ago. But we know in short yardage, it's just, it's funny, his name comes up and it's like, he's a guy that played a pretty big role for them last season, uh, you know, just kind of interesting to see. I wonder what, if he's getting Metellist a little bit. I'm inventing sure. that word. But sure. you know, Josh Metellist dropped that would-be pick six against Ohio State, and it, it kind of, uh, in, yeah. in the fans' eyes, it kind of erased all the good that, they the had good done. that he had been sure. showing. And, sure. and, you know, Mullings, I mean, that pass against Ohio State, he scored several touchdowns. Yeah, right? he did, and, yeah. And, but I do think – the, the fumble against TCU on the goal yep. line. And yep. then also, I, I think it's a fair critique to say he was running a little high, right? He was, sure. he was a oh, yeah. center yep. of gravity. He definitely looked like someone who was asked to return to running back really for the first time during a season since high school, the week of the Ohio State game. So so I do, I do wonder if fans are kind of – because I kind of agree. You know, when people talk about the number three running back, I hear a lot about – Benjamin Hall, a lot about C.J. Stokes, and not this is not to take away from them. You, know, you hear Cole Cabana get mentioned there, but it it could be Clem Mullings. I mean, a whole off season to kind of to kind of build on it. I yeah, he I would I would classify him as underrated, right? Just a just a little bit, or maybe not classic slept on because maybe you will see. I mean, because he could he's he's in a weird position where he could get beaten out at both positions. <laughs> that he plays at, right? So it's like it, it I don't know, it's just he's he's one of the more interesting guys on the roster. But as far as the summer workouts, yeah, I think of Marion Walker, like Michael Pollard, uh like you said. Also, I mean, I would throw in like a, a Jaden McBurrows as well as a guy who is now like totally 100%. It's a lot of times it's those guys. I think Tyler Morris. Cuz I got to think he wasn't he was either 100 he may have been healthy but not at full capacity, let's say, you know, last year's summer workouts were probably his first real opportunity to kind of fully get back into playing shape, you know. So some of those guys who were recovering, who are coming off of injuries from even a year or maybe even two years ago, uh, you know, I, I always talk about like you ever play fantasy baseball, you always like there's always that joke about, you know, every guy's in the best shape of his life when yes. you're looking at draft picks every- and stuff, you know, Every weight gain is added muscle. Every weight loss, they're just yes, leaner yes. and faster. There's it, there's literally no downside. Yeah, baseball is the sport I always kind of think of that with when you hear about guys that are in the best shape of their career or whatever. But I think I think the situation, the guy like McBurrows or Morris, I think that that actually may, may be the case. You know, uh, where where now they have a steady foundation to build off of, you know, so, and, and you're talking with, with Morris and McBurrows, especially you're talking about guys who we expect to see on the field, you know? So I think those are a couple other guys who, yeah, we've talked about a little bit already tonight, but uh, you know, guys, I think that could really build off of could use last could use uh, well, McBurrows didn't play a ton last year, but like could use some of the, a full season to, uh, like I said, to, to really totally be a hundred percent all the way around and, and use that to build off of, uh, in the weight room this summer. Yeah, I think I did have a full list for those curious about more players, but in the interest of time, I might reshare that story just for for the fans to kind of relook at it because it was I think it was right before they they reported for summer workouts. But we got to get to our last question: Who are the most underrated players on offense and defense entering fall camp? We're still a couple weeks from fall camp for those listening to this at a later date. Fall camp has not started, but who, Steve, who are the most underrated players on offense and defense for you? I, I kind of tipped my hand on offense, and I said AJ Barner. Who's your choice? Honestly, I mean, the, with what we discuss, it's kind of hard 
not to agree just because other guys that would maybe fit the bill are guys who have not really emerged or been on the field a lot. So it's hard to kind of call a player who hasn't, you know, it's like it's hard to call like a Darius Clemens or a Matthew Hibner underrated because they, they really haven't warranted being rated. So I think AJ Barner is an, an excellent uh, choice. And I, I would probably just have to agree with you. I know going off of the, when we voted our most important players and compared to the fan ballot, one, one player that you, whether you knew it or not, were higher on or, or the fans were sleeping on more than you expected was uh, Trent A. Jones. Jones is one, you know, again, a guy that got hurt, but was playing at a high level beforehand. And, and just let's say underrated as far as like a guy who actually is a legit contributor is I still don't think Trevor Keegan really gets enough uh, love for as, as good of football as he has played the last two seasons. I mean, you remember, do you remember how, how, Great, he looked. Was at Penn State a couple of years ago in 2020 when yeah, where he like, came in and just, starting the whole yeah. time. Was it Philiaga was playing ahead of him, right? And we we kind of were wondering, yeah. like, and he was struggling. Which, to be fair, I think Chuck went to Minnesota and had a pretty good year for them last year. Uh, but Keegan came in right away. Yeah, I think we were in the press box, right? And uh, were we? I don't know. Either way, I remember thinking like right away, like, yeah, I know, why I was, is this guy? It was, why it is this was guy not playing? Block. It was like perfect pad level, amazing power, and it led to like one of the bigger runs Michigan had. Granted, they didn't have a lot of great runs that season, but it was like, man, like, you know, where, why is that guy been all year? Yeah. So, you know, he's he's really kind of been a guy who's played at a pretty high level throughout. And again, I think he gets. He gets an adequate amount of like um, love and credit, and of course the the unit can claim the Joe Moore Award. But I, I just I don't feel like individually. I guess I don't feel like he gets quite enough. Uh, so again, not a guy, not underrated necessarily in the grand scheme of things. But I, I just I feel like he's a better ball player than what he maybe gets credit for. Yeah, I think he's I think he's underrated in like the mock drafts and the preseason awards, because he was first team all big 10 last year. But if you look at such and such website releases, their preseason, all big 10 teams. And, and I, I think he is a little underrated there, but I know the fans love him because he's very vocal. He, he tells it like it is in press conferences. So, so the media likes that too. So keep it up Trevor. But, but at the same time, I, I think he is someone who's, value to Michigan might might be a little underrated. I mean, I was a little surprised. I think he finished 14th or 15th in the most important players. And for a first-team All-Big Ten, third-year starter, you know, I think that, that feels a little low. So I think, uh, you know, that that's a good choice as well. All right, on defense, for me, I talked about him a lot, so I'll try to be quick this time. But Makari Page, he's my choice. I mean, I had him 11th in the most important player series and fans had him 24th. And I think he's someone, part of it's his demeanor. He's a little bit quieter of a guy. Part of it's the safety position. I feel like every other year I'm picking one of these safeties as, as a player who does not get enough credit, not get enough love. I know Brad Hawkins was my choice for most underrated player a couple years ago. And I, I just want to read these, this coverage stats. So last year, he was tar- he played 296 coverage snaps. He was only targeted in coverage 11 times. So teams were just straight up not throwing to him. I mean, that's what one in every 30 snaps he was targeted. He only allowed six receptions and 54 yards all season. He had three pass breakups and an interception. So he almost had a hand on the ball more than the receivers that, that he was covering. Uh, out of 340 safeties in college football last year to play at least 200 snaps, according to Pro Football Focus, he was sixth in passing yards allowed, fifth in passer rating allowed, ninth in snaps per target, and seventh in snaps per reception. And that was one reception every 47 coverage snaps that he played. So, I mean, you're talking about a top 10 coverage safety, and you're talking about someone who's six foot four, moves extremely well. And kind of took over the a starting safety job when I don't think this time a year ago we were saying that there was one available. So yeah, he's he's definitely my underrated. I, I do want to see 
you know, how he looks as a tackler in the run game. I think that's that's something he wasn't he wasn't asked to do that a ton last season. So I do think that there's still areas that he can grow, but I see a lot more NFL potential in him than I think gets talked about. And I see a lot more big play, big game potential. You know, thinking about Michigan playing against other top ten teams, I feel like he can make make a big difference in that game. Well, that game, but also the other games. <laughs> I think he can make a play a bigger role in those kind of games than what gets talked about right now. Steve, who jumps out to you? I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of candidates, but who jumps out to you as Mister Underrated on Michigan's defense heading into fall camp? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Again, the underrated, I don't like underrated to me and underrated in general. I don't know two different things. I just. Where did we have Derek Moore on the top twenty-five? Was he on there? Yeah, he was eighteenth, and but but oh, that that's, you okay. had him twelfth, so that that is one player. Okay, I just think I think I guess if, if there's, I mean, I'm not okay. There's it's a big roster, but like he's the guy I always think of when we talk about a guy who is maybe yeah outside of that top ten, let's say of the important players or whatever or just to say best players on the roster. To me, he's always the first guy I think of when you talk about a guy who could end up well within the top 10 by the end of the season. I just, he has all the tools to become a dominant pass rusher at the college level. Um, you know, and, and, and really again, a guy that played a ton last year. So he, he's not somebody I would really pick as a breakout sort of like not quite to the level of Mason Graham because Graham played a lot, but similar in that I just think he's a guy that could really take a huge step this season. So he's, I mean, 18th out of 20 out of the 25 is, is actually pretty solid. I think for a, for a second year guy who maybe didn't play a ton, ton last I year, give the but fans a lot of credit. Cause he didn't have like a, he didn't have crazy box score stats last right, year. Right. Right. Although, but, although the two sacks, that is a lot more, than most true freshmen who come through. That's more than Rashawn Gary had. That's more than Aiden Hutchinson had. You know, you can kind of run through the list. Quiddy Pay, David Ajabo. I mean, to be ready to make that kind of impact, and I know he's a little bit older. I think he's already 20. But to make that kind of impact as a true freshman, I, I wouldn't discount that as nothing. I mean, he, sure. he came in more college ready than a lot of edge defenders do for Michigan. <clears throat> I know when Lincoln Riley left Oklahoma, I mean, Michigan was on that one. Like, that was immediate. So, I mean, they went after him like crazy. People remember he was committed to Oklahoma for quite a while uh, and left after Lincoln Riley uh, went to USC. But either way, I mean, yeah, I, I think, yeah, he's a guy. And I'm, I also am somebody who's high on Braden McGregor. Like, I think Braden McGregor's going to have a good year this year, too. I just, I think, I just think Moore has a higher ceiling, uh, which, Again, doesn't mean that McGregor isn't going to be really. I just I think Derek Moore is a guy like a another potential first round type pick for Michigan at, at the edge defensive end type spot. So, uh, so he would be mine just because, like I said, I think he could end the year somewhere in the top seven, let's say, or eight um, of best players on the roster. Yeah, let me read this quote from defensive coordinator Jesse Minter. The best part about Derek is he has the mindset to be a really, really high end dominant player. He has a chance to be a, and he said all of these, high, 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 high-end draft choice one day. High-end player, productive. He's just got to stay in the process, stay on the progress that he's on. Coach Herb has done a great job with him. I mean, so basically, Minter's saying without formally saying, this is a guy who could be a top 10 NFL draft pick. Isn't there yet. I, I'm not saying, and I'm not guaranteeing or setting that expectation yet, but I think Year two is is step two of that process, and I think year three is when he could be as good as as well as anyone Michigan produces at that position, and and they produce a lot. I'm not, you know, they're he'll have to make that that jump from where he is now to where he can be, but he does have that kind of ceiling. I see a lot of Rashawn Gary in his game in terms of you know his size, his speed, um, just the way he can dominate offensive tackles. Uh, it's he, he's he's pretty impressive for for only entering his sophomore season. All right, that's going to do it. We talked about a bunch of different names. If you want to read more about any of those players, 
tons of stories over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Be sure to check it all out. Next week, the journey begins, I guess, for Michigan because Big Ten Media Days will take place in Indianapolis. Myself, Sam Webb, and Alejandro Zuniga will all be down there providing coverage from Jim Harbaugh, Blake Corum, Chris Jenkins, and Mike Sainer still. That's always kind of the unofficial kickoff of football, quote-unquote, season, even though the actual season does start until September. There will be tons of buildup for Michigan football, so don't, don't miss out. Check out all of our podcasts wherever you get your podcast, wherever you heard this one, you can probably find more. And then over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com, got tons of stories. Starting to get into more of the preview content for those who are who are clamoring for it. It's, it's about that time. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. We'll see you next time. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.